guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to episode 4 of Queerocracy. My name is Niha Haldo, and I'll be your host. In this episode, we'll be talking about gender dysphoria identification and coping mechanisms for non-binary individuals. To start off, gender dysphoria in general is the feeling that your physical body doesn't represent your emotional body and your psychological identity. A lot of people determine how trans they are by how much dysphoria they feel, but feeling a little bit of dysphoria versus a lot of dysphoria doesn't necessarily determine how much your gender identity plays a role in who you are. In fact, there are many different forms of gender dysphoria, and it really varies from person to person. Top dysphoria is the feeling that your chest doesn't capture what you would like it to on the inside. And bottom dysphoria is the same feeling, but with genitals. Dysphoria isn't the same for every person who experiences it, and people who are cisgender may also experience gender dysphoria as well. But we'll talk about that later on in the podcast. Female to male, male to female trans people, as well as non-binary people could feel different versions of gender dysphoria, but again, that doesn't determine what their gender identity is. The only person who can determine that is themselves. I would like to seize this opportunity to also come out of the closet as non-binary. I've questioned my gender before, and as for now, I identify as a genderflex female, and I use both she, her, and they, them pronouns. I'm proud to say that I have personal experience with being involved in the trans community, and I'm happy to know that I have many trans friends as well. In fact, one of them will be on the podcast today. I'd like to introduce you to today's guest, Eli Edelman, who's currently a student at Princeton High School in New Jersey, and they use they, them pronouns. It's great to have you on the podcast, Eli. Great to be here. So I just had a few questions for you in terms of being non-binary and coming to that realization. So... How did you come to terms with your gender identity and how do you feel like your personal experience has um, been shaped along the way? Well, it's actually a funny story um, where basically I was talking to my sister and talking about how gender is kind of a dumb concept, essentially. And I was like going on and on and on about it and being like how, oh, my God, it's so stupid. And in my uh, little 13, 12? 12-year-old mindset of just saying anything that came into my brain. And then my sister was like, are you sure you just don't like binary genders? Mm -hmm. And I was like, huh. So we were on vacation at the time in Spain, I think. And while I was in my tiny, tiny room at the Airbnb we were staying at, I Mm -hmm. pulled up YouTube on my phone and watched a couple videos by a non-binary YouTuber named Ash Hardell about being non-binary. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, this makes sense. (laughs) That is a funny story. (laughs) Yeah, basically. And like, I personally am questioning my gender identity and I am very open about that. So I feel like uh, definitely watching other content creators who are non-binary and who have been through the questioning process, I feel like it's definitely helpful coming in terms uh, to your own gender identity. So another question that I had was about gender dysphoria. And have you ever experienced it? If so, how do you deal with it? Um. Yeah, in the beginning, I experienced it a lot. And I guess now I do sometimes. For me, it was mostly like presentation dysphoria, where it wasn't necessarily 
how I saw myself because my mindset is that my body is a non-binary body because I am non-binary. But it was the way other people perceived me, like if other people would misgender me a lot. So I was like, oh, that means I have to dress super duper masculine. So people will like believe me was almost my mindset because in my old school, there was a lot of, oh, you just feminine, you're a girl, you just masculine, you're a guy. So what I did was try to quench my uh, social dysphoria by dressing super duper masculine, but that didn't really help. So I feel like moving was honestly the way that I dealt with my dysphoria. And I know that's not an option for any for everyone. So um, it was really finding a community that was affirming and also I do wear a binder on occasion and I do like dressing more androgynous and I use they them pronouns changed my name and I already had short hair but kept it short yeah that that sounds like a good way to deal with dysphoria in a positive manner and I know not everyone can have like the opportunity to move or have the opportunity to even cut their hair or use a binder but I'm sure there are local communities that would be willing to help uh, people who are going through the questioning process, such as High Tops Princeton, which uh, we live near and we're both part of, uh, and they are very Mm -hmm. supportive and they're the local LGBTQ plus community, I guess, in Princeton. And yeah, if you're questioning your gender, I, I think you should also find a LGBTQ plus society because they will definitely help you with that. And another question I had was in terms of stress relievers, I know that you don't really experience dysphoria that much anymore, but while you did, were there any small, I guess, small things that you would do to help relieve dysphoria besides wearing a binder, of course? Um, I used to narrate what I was doing in the third person sometimes when I was alone to just hear my pronouns out loud and be like, ah, this is nice. So that is actually something that I do recommend to a lot of baby trans people, (laughs) people who are beginning their questioning slash trans uh, realizations. And I also, like I said earlier, surrounding myself with affirming people was really helpful. And just for general stress relievers, listening to like rain sounds was really nice, Mm -hmm. Um, doing a lot of deep breathing, And I did start going to therapy a little bit for anxiety. Mm -hmm. That was really helpful. I think therapy is a very good thing that people should do. I did also, you know, standard crying in my bed a couple of times. But um, I think that especially online also, there's a lot of really helpful suggestions on ways to deal with dysphoria healthily. Yeah. And also talking about online, a lot of people, I guess, especially if you're younger and you're a minor you should be very very careful online i think that's a given but uh internet friends is is a common way of dealing with dysphoria and i guess it's like it's not really dealing with dysphoria it's more like meeting other people who are going through what you're going through in the same boat and even if you don't know them in your life i guess it can be comforting to have them next to you right yeah definitely finding a community um, is very important. I think a lot of LGBTQ plus teens that I've talked to have 
talked about how their online community has been really helpful. I've always been a little wary about online friends just because I guess I have anxiety and am a little paranoid about that type of stuff. So for me, it was going to the local LGBT class center. That Mm -hmm. was really helpful. But I do find that the online LGBT plus community is so open and welcoming and very nice. Yeah, it is. And what do you think the logical like first steps should be for someone who's experiencing uh, dysphoria? Obviously, it's not the same for everyone, but just, I guess, what do you think the first thing that they should do when they start questioning their gender identity? Well, I definitely think that there isn't a... Uh uniform first thing to do. I think it really does vary um, from person to person and on what their situation is. Mm -hmm. So if they do have a close friend who they can talk to about this um, type of stuff or an LGBT plus friend, somebody who's gone through the same thing, I think talking to somebody is very helpful. And if they don't, then going online Like I said, YouTube is very helpful. However, the most important thing is don't do anything that's going to put you in danger. If, like, don't do anything. If you're in a situation where if your parents find, like, your history on your computer or open tab, that's, am I non-binary or am I a trans guy? And that would put you in danger, then I would suggest don't do that. Instead, maybe go to library and read books about it. Um, Certain towns have very nice local libraries um, with a small but good LGBT class section. And find your community. I find that even at schools where it seems like there's nobody else like you, Mm -hmm. there definitely is. You can definitely find someone who has shared the same experiences. And I guess the most important thing is to tell yourself that you don't have to rush to put a label on it. I guess that's the first step. Mm -hmm. And also, as you were talking about finding a community, I know a lot of LGBTQ plus individuals feel like they kind of gravitate towards each other. So it is very likely that someone close to you is part of the community. And Mm -hmm. I kind of noticed myself doing that as well as I was just figuring myself out. And as I still am, um, a lot of people who I... I'm generally friends with just end up being LGBTQ plus or a very strong ally because that's kind of the people that I gravitate towards. And I feel like that that's just a common trend amongst some LGBTQ plus youths, not all. And if you don't have a close friend like that, again, what you said, it's really important just finding someone or finding two people. And even though it's like a very small group of people, that's still a community. And that's still people that you can still open up to, which is what's really important here. And another aspect of being non-binary is changing up your clothes and style. So was it difficult for you to find your ideal style and I guess your fashion sense? Well, I was always a very interesting child when it came to fashion. When I was younger, I used to put the most like colorful outfits together. So when I first came out as non-binary at my old school, it was a lot more socially conservative. And I felt like people wouldn't believe me unless I dressed hyper-traditionally masculine. So in my first year and a half of being out as non-binary, I dressed very, very masculine. And I wasn't quite happy during doing that. And when I wasn't in school, I would wear 
more androgynous or sometimes very feminine outfits. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved, my fashion sense just went through the roof, I guess. I, I, I would describe myself as a very fashionable person. And I also have like 10 different styles that I wear. Sometimes I'm very what they call high femme, wearing like 1950s style dresses, cute little aprons. And sometimes I'll wear just a full suit for no reason. Mm-hmm. So I feel like for me, it was just finding a balance between what I want to wear versus what I want to be perceived, how I want to be perceived. So I guess it was hard at first because I was in an environment where it was not socially acceptable for someone who wasn't a girl to wear dresses. So it was a little hard for me at first, yeah. Yeah, I completely understand that. And I guess the same thing goes for men and not really in the sense of transgender men or transgender women even. It's just men in general. And there's this whole movement going on right now about men wearing crop tops and how it's a gender neutral piece of clothing. And I feel like that's just kind of the same here because everyone just in society in general associate clothing pieces with gender identity and doesn't really matter because it's just clothing and we're using it to cover our body. So it doesn't really have a gender. There's no gender to pieces of fabric. That yeah, is exactly. clothing does not have a gender. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless somehow clothing is uh, sentient, and I was just not aware of this. <laughs> um, so anybody can wear whatever the heck they want. Yeah, exactly. And I wish more people were more accepting of that idea, but a lot of people are still in the old mindset where everything has gender. Shops are also very gendered, and they don't really have a mixed clothing section. It's more of separated into boys, men, girls, and women. So how do you go about shopping for clothes? Is there a particular section that you tend to shop at first? Well, I mostly shop at thrift stores just because I love a good deal. Also, thrift stores don't have sections based on gender. They have it based on size. And also Target. Target has only in some of their stores, I guess, not all over the country, they have a kids section now instead of boys or girls sections. I guess for me, I'm a very small person. Like I'm very tiny. So I can still shop in like the little boys section. Mm-hmm. And I do shop in the girls section when I want to buy like dresses and stuff. So I don't really run into the issue of having to deal with adult, like adult sized clothing. But I guess what I do is I try to find places that don't gender their clothing when I go into a store. Online, you you can't really avoid running into that issue. Mm -hmm. So honestly, for me, the best way to think about it is don't think about it. Just try to ignore it. Yeah, I know a lot of trans people experience euphoria when it comes to shopping just because everything is so gendered. And I feel like, honestly, the best way to go about it is exactly what you said. Uh, Shopping at stores that don't have a gendered section. And it's just, I feel like that's just the best way around that. And with online shopping, some stores do have a mixed section. But again, most of them are very gendered. But if you go on online stores like Amazon, usually they don't have men, women. They just have here's leggings, here's sweats. And that's Mm -hmm. like it. And I feel like that's just the best way to go about that. And gender dysphoria is one type of, I guess, 
gender feelings, but another type is gender euphoria, which is essentially the polar opposite. So would you like to explain what gender euphoria is and how you feel it? Gender euphoria is what somebody feels when their gender is being affirmed by somebody else or just by themselves also. So if somebody, let's say, genders them correctly, like I've had people use they them pronouns for me right away or ask my pronouns, which is also very nice. That makes me feel happy. It's essentially just a feeling of happiness when people gender you correctly and affirm who you are. And I experience, that's mostly how I experience gender now. I feel like I try to avoid saying that everybody who has gender euphoria is trans or everybody that has gender dysphoria is trans because that is something that has been infighting within the community. So I wouldn't necessarily, I don't want to necessarily say that's something that trans people experience. It is something that a good amount of trans people experience. And how I just find it in the smallest places and it's so wonderful. For instance, Target. Honestly, Target's wonderful. I'm just, shout out to Target. Target's pretty great. They do a good job of being very LGBTQ friendly. But at Target, when they have clothing lines that are gender neutral, that just makes me feel happy. Or when I can wear a very crazy outfit and people don't assume my gender based on the way I look, based on the fact that I'm wearing a full-on 1950s get-together people don't assume my gender that gives me gender euphoria as well and I just experience it in the way that it just it's like a calming warmth that washes over me that's just like yes that's the best way to describe it I'm sorry yeah no I completely get it but also I just had a question Do you feel like cis people can experience gender euphoria? Yes, almost. And like a gender, because I don't think that gender is set for anyone. And I don't want to tell people how to identify. I don't think it's none of my business. And if, if it doesn't hurt anybody, then why why would I want to like say, no, you're wrong. So I think that gender euphoria can also be experienced if you, if there is a cis person, like a cis guy who wears a dress and people don't say, oh, wearing a dress makes you a girl. That almost would be like accepting your gender expression for what it is. I think, I don't know how to explain it, but I think that would be a way that it could possibly be applied to people who are just gender expression deviant. Yeah, and I think that alludes back to the reference that I made earlier about guys wearing crop tops. I had a friend wear a crop top recently and no one made comments about it and he was very excited. I feel like he knows that he is a cis man, but he prefers dressing in more gender neutral clothing or sometimes dress as feminine. And it's just the way that he likes to express himself. And I feel like that's the same with uh, women also when cis women, when they go to weddings and they wear a jumpsuit instead of a dress. And, and if no one makes any comments about it, some people just feel genuinely happy about that. And I feel like, I guess those are like two common ways that cis people would experience gender euphoria. In the political yeah. realm and in other day-to-day activities, there are a lot of divisions just based on gender. And there are really only like two designated categories. So what are your thoughts on that and how do you go about dealing with that? You mean like in jobs or in how people 
apply gender stereotypes to roles. No, I mean in jobs, like congresswomen, congressmen, that kind of thing. Okay, you mean like in wording. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just think that's so outdated. And I always correct people almost to be like, congressperson. Mm-hmm. Which is a word that um, a lot of states are now adopting. And I think that we all need to work on finding a way to take these gendered words like actor and actress or waiter and waitress and just scrap the whole gender designation behind it. And um, I try my hardest to just avoid saying the words that are gendered in that aspect, and I always correct people when they apply those words to me or to other people in the non-binary community. Mm-hmm. And I honestly think that it might it might just be easier if we scrap words like that and replace them with gender-neutral alternatives. That way, Definitely. like, it doesn't matter if it's a man, a woman, someone in the non-binary spectrum, literally anyone, you could just apply that one word and It just shows their occupation instead of having it based on gender. And I feel like that would be a more modern way to go about it. And I hope more people adapt to using congressperson and other gender neutral terms, because I feel like it's something that's really important, especially in society today. Can I just cut in for one second? I realized something and I want to clarify that when I've been using the word non-binary, I'm using it as a term as not binary. So not binary genders that includes Gen- what, how I was using it includes gender fluid people and um, gender flux and agender. I was just using it as that way. And I feel like I need to clarify that because I yeah, realized I forgot to say that in the beginning. Okay, yeah, okay. continue. Yeah, that's, that's how I've been using it too, just to clarify for everyone. It includes anyone who is not completely cis. Oh yeah, I wanted to mention uh, transgender people in the military. I'm going to release an entire episode on this pretty soon, just because I feel like it's a very controversial topic. So what are your thoughts on that? I think that anybody who wants to join the military should be allowed to join the military. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And it's just, it's something that's controversial just because they have a completely female and male section and they don't want to make a third section. But is it really that hard? That's my question. You know what I mean? Yeah, I really think it isn't that hard. And also, the whole arguments behind having separating female and male, like, I guess, dorms and uh, lockers and stuff like that is kind of outdated to me. Because I feel like, number one, it is over-sexualizing a person's body. And it's also assuming that people are straight. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's... (laughs) There's actually an article that I read a while ago, I can't, I can't cite because I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was about how when people used to die, they used to have like these houses for like dead bodies to place them in, and they would even gender those. They'd have a men's section and a woman's section, as if a man is going to somehow wake up from his dead grave and go, I don't know, rape a woman, like what? How? That's gendered and absurd. Like, it doesn't even make sense. And I feel like the same thing alludes to society today, because it's not like you're you're making so many assumptions about a person just because they're in a cabin for men or a cabin for women. You don't know if they're straight. You don't know if they're completely cis. Like, I feel like just abolishing that whole idea is where we start in terms of this non-binary movement in terms of acceptance. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think that when it comes to 
separations in places that there just there doesn't need to be separations i think that's definitely something that we need to focus on and focus on just tearing away this idea of cisnormativity yeah exactly and that completely ties back to public image i know there's a lot of misconceptions about just i guess being non-binary in general and for listeners out there that believe that there are only two genders or believe that non-binary people are invalid what do you what would you say to them it's none of your business it's not hurting anybody so why 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 yeah that's just the way i think about it it's you're entitled to your own opinion but saying stuff like that does hurt others and somebody identifying as non-binary isn't hurting anybody else it's not it doesn't affect you so why is it such a big deal Honestly, like, it's okay to have your doubts. You want to, like, if you want to reach out to someone and ask them questions about, like, how does it feel to be non-binary? Like, yeah, if, you're, if, you're, if you're doing it in a respectful manner, go for it. Like, Yeah, if you're just generally confused and actually want to talk about it in a respectful manner, then okay, perfect. Yeah, exactly. And also use the correct pronouns, whether you agree with them or not. It's just something that, like, it's a matter of respect. It's not anything else. It's just respect towards that person. Yeah, it's not a big deal for you to use somebody's pronouns. And yeah, those are all the questions that I had. Do you have anything to add? I hope everybody has a wonderful day. And oh, you can follow me at Eli.Edelman on Instagram. And uh, if you have any non-binary questions, DM me. I have a private account, but I usually do read the DMs that people send me. Yeah, go check them out. They have a really cool account and they're very open. As we're nearing the end of this episode, I'd like to express the importance of recognizing that gender dysphoria is not a joke, and it's something that needs more awareness because trans people and certain cis people face it in their day-to-day lives. Thank you so much for taking the time to empathize with people facing gender dysphoria and learning more about the topic. In the description below, I've also left a link to visit the Mayo Clinic's page on gender dysphoria, which has a list of symptoms and steps to take. Thanks again for listening, and stay tuned for more on the politics of being queer.